Thanks for tuning into the Woods Edge Student Ministry Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For more information, you can go to woodsedge.org or look us up on Facebook under Woods Edge Students. Jesus, thank you for today, All Saints Day. I pray that you would just affirm in each of us that you see us that way as saints, not as um, troublemakers or misfits or, or too busted or broken not to love and appreciate and enjoy and, and gift. You see us as saints, as holy Um, You see us uh, greater than we see ourselves. And so this morning, we pray that you would open our minds and hearts, unlike maybe ever before, to appreciate how you see us. I pray that you would stir our imaginations this morning, that you would open not just our ears and our eyes, but our spiritual ears, our spiritual eyes. And I just pray right now that you would speak to us. What's that one thing about me? or you, or the Bible, that I just can't reconcile? What's that one question? What's that one doubt? What's that one um, hang-up that I might have with you or your word? Stir that in us right now, each of us individually. What's that thing? We invite you to come and speak to that area of our lives today. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. All right, so as I mentioned before, Halloween is a holiday that's all about Um, stirring the imagination and dressing up and costumes and um, fun and fantasy and fake things. And so today, I wanted to give a message that was all about the imagination as well. Come right on up, buddy, right here. That's that's the one I was saving for you. Um, So a holiday focusing on the imagination will have a message this morning that focuses on the imagination. I'd like to kick us off by just reading an excerpt of an article that I found this week. It's just great, and it's got some words interspersed in there from one of my favorite authors, a guy named Eugene Peterson, who wrote a version of the Bible called The Message, the super contemporary, descriptive version of the um, Bible. I'm going to read this article to you guys, and I want it to just stir your imaginations. So, dramatic pause. All right. When we read Scripture, we need to use more imagination, more creativity, more engagement, more activity in our minds. The very act of reading a book should force your mind to engage the words and imagine the characters, the setting, the rhythms of the story. It's interesting to note that when Jesus told stories, he counted on people to use their imaginations, to really Think and process what he was saying. And if they failed to do so, if they failed to use their imaginations, if they failed to listen for more than just the words, they usually missed the point. Jesus' favorite form of speech was the parable. Parables, they're casual stories that sound absolutely ordinary. Tales of soil and seeds Tales of meals and coins and bandits and victims and merchants and farmers. And so, when people heard Jesus tell these seemingly simple stories, they relaxed their defenses and they listened with open minds. They engaged. And the more they thought about them, the more they realized that there was more going on in that story than met the eye. And as they walked away, sometimes perplexed, the stories lodged in their imaginations, they would wonder to themselves, what was he really talking about? And then, 
like a time bomb, the true meaning of the story would explode in their hearts and an abyss would open up their feet as they realized, man, that story, that was about God. In fact, that story was about me and God. But the parable itself, the form of how Jesus spoke, the parable itself didn't do the work. It just put the listener's imagination to work because parables are not stories that make things easier to understand. In fact, they make things harder to understand because they require the exercise of our imagination. So, your imagination, it is a gift from God, like the breath in your lungs or the skills and talents you hone and own. Your imagination itself is a gift from God, and it's a gift with a unique main purpose. We have an imagination so that we can comprehend a supernatural God. God is bigger than the natural. He's bigger than the world, the earth, our circumstances. He's supernatural. And so we need this supernatural ability to imagine the impossible in order to engage, in order to understand, in order to even grasp at what he's possibly saying to us. When you hear a testimony, when you hear a sermon at church, when you read the Bible, when you hear or think you've heard an answer to prayer, you have to use your imagination. You've got to engage. What does this mean? What could this look like? So, to emphasize this point and to give us a visual and to unlock our imaginations for this message about imaginations, I need a volunteer. And before you volunteer, I need this volunteer to have a good imagination, specifically maybe the ability to use their verbal skills to describe some things because there's going to be a blindfold involved. And qualifier, I need this volunteer to have a dog about this big. Not on their person at this moment, but at home. So, Kevin, you got one? You got all those things? Does Kevin have a dog? Can anybody vouch for this? All right, come on up. Give it up for Kevin. All right. Chill out, buddy. All right, right here. So, Kevin, I'm going to remove this tarp thing, this blanket, and show everybody what you will not be able to see. And as I do so, you guys, don't help him. Don't tell him what's in these boxes or read the labels. And here's your blindfold. I got this at Cost Plus World Market, and um, it's a dog sweater. Um, But today it's a blindfold, and if you do well, I'll let you keep it, all right? And I know that's got to be the highlight of your year. Close your eyes, Kevin. Don't ruin my thing. All right. Are your eyes closed? Yeah. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. All right. I'll take your word for it. You're in church, remember. So if you blink, you could get struck by lightning. All right. So we're going to read a story in a minute, a parable, one of Jesus' most popular parables. It's repeated throughout the Bible many times in the New Testament. And in order to do so, we need to have a grasp of some of the visuals that Jesus is going to use. Now, Kevin, I'm going to invite you in just a second. There's four plastic tubs. Can you see them? Don't look! All right. There's four plastic tubs in front of you, and I want you to gently reach inside of them. And being in the center, not yet, in the center, I want you to try and get to the bottom of this tub. And I want you to describe what you feel, and I specifically want you to describe if it's easier or if it's hard or if there's an obstacle in the way of you getting from the top of the tub to the bottom of the tub. Does that make sense? Just say yes. Yes, it does. All right. So, which hand do you want to use, left or right? This is a big decision. 
Okay, so you're in the center of the tub. I want you to try from the center to get to the bottom. We're going to do this in each one. Can you, what do you feel, describe using your imagination what's going on? No, not out of the tub, Kevin. That's it, buddy. You're there. Bricks or rock? Okay. Can you get in? From the center, Kevin. You help me out. No. Can you even, like, get a millimeter down? Yeah, that's cheating. Don't do that. This, again, church, buddy. Come on. All right. Same thing. From the center, working your way in, but describe what you feel and if it's easy or hard to do. Rocks? Anything else in there? Like dirt? Okay. Is it easy to get to the bottom of the bucket? No. Not at all. Okay. Good job. You're doing very well. Okay. Continue. It's dead roaches. <laughs> Hamster shavings? You can just see them at home. All right. Okay. Is it easy or hard? What does it feel like on your skin? Okay. Good. All right. Last one. Is it easy or hard to get to the bottom? What's it feel like? So many things I could say. All right. You're freaking us out now. Get your hand out of there. All right. Give it up for Kevin. This is for you. I had some wipes, but somebody stole them. All right. So, let's read the story that will make these things come to life a little bit for us. Matthew, chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. Throw up my slide. We're not going to put the scripture up. I just want to give you an extra visual that will help us with the story. Use your imagination as you listen to this. One day, Jesus was sitting beside a lake, and a large crowd soon gathered around him, and so he got into a boat. And then he sat there in the boat, and he taught as the people stood on the shore. And he told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen up, Jesus said. A farmer went out to plant some seed. And as he scattered the seed across the field, some of the seed fell on a footpath. And the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. And that seed sprouted up quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they did not have deep roots, they died. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. And still other seed fell on fertile soil. And they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now, I would assume back in the day, as it's similar to today, that everybody that heard that story just now has ears. Is anyone in here with not having ears? We can pray for you. What's up? Ah, ears! I just, that's amazing. All right. So everybody has ears. 
everybody heard the story, but I don't need a verbal response, but do you all completely understand what that story was about at the deepest level? I'd be careful of nodding your head yes. They needed to listen, not just to his words, but the deeper meaning. They needed to listen with their imagination, and they needed to listen to that story with their hearts. And what I love about that story, as we see in the following verse, is that people did not understand what Jesus was talking about. They did not understand where he was going with that story. They came to see Jesus, to hear about God, and he talked to them about dirt and seeds. And so they're like, uh, what? It's like if we go to the Texans game this afternoon and we show up, and instead it's like the three-year-old cheerleading competition. It's like, this is not what I came for. And so people didn't understand. And what I love is that even Jesus' own disciples, his closest band of brothers, didn't understand. Because immediately after he tells that story, they pull him aside and they say, Jesus, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? And so they're asking a very straightforward question. Why don't you just tell them what they want to hear? Why do you use these stories that, that are hard to understand? But there's an underlying question that they were asking. They were saying, we don't know what you're talking about, dude. We've been spending years with you, and we, dirt? Really? I don't get it. So there's actually two questions in their question. So Jesus answers them. He answers their first question. And what I love about it um, is what he addresses, the heart of what they're asking. And I'm going to read this next passage from Matthew 13 um, from Eugene Peterson's The Message because it's just very descriptive and beautiful. Here's Jesus' response to them saying, why do you use these stories to talk to people? You, and this applies to you and me, you have been given insight into God's kingdom. You have been given insight whether you know it or not. And you know how God's kingdom works. Not everybody has this gift, this insight. It has not been given to them. Whenever someone has a heart that's ready, the insight and the understanding flow freely. But if the heart, notice he doesn't say the mind, if the heart is not ready, any trace of receptivity soon disappears. That's why I tell stories. I tell stories to create readiness, to nudge people toward a willingness to hear. In their present state, people cannot understand, and they can stare until hell freezes over and not see the point of what I'm saying. They can listen until they're blue in the face and not get it. And I don't want Isaiah's prophecy repeated all over again. And we've been spending the last eight weeks in Isaiah, Old Testament book of the Bible, and he's a prophet. And Jesus is referring to one of Isaiah's prophecies that says this, your ears are open, but you don't hear anything. Your eyes are awake, but you don't see anything. The people are too hard-headed. The people are too hard-headed, and they stick their fingers in their ears so they won't have to listen. They squeeze their eyes shut so they won't have to look. They won't have to deal with me face-to-face -face so that I can heal them. It says that these people didn't want to hear Jesus' message. They didn't want to receive the true meaning of what was going on. 
because they like their own lifestyle and not the, the lifestyle Jesus was calling to them. Even though Jesus is acknowledging to live that lifestyle hurts them, and Jesus came to heal them. However, you have God-blessed eyes that see and God-blessed ears that hear. And a lot of people and prophets, in fact, every believer that believed in God that came before Jesus, that's who he's referring to. A lot of people and prophets and humble believers, they would have given anything to see what we have been able to see. They would have given anything to hear what we have been able to hear, but they never had the chance. So what did Jesus just say? What is God allowing his disciples to see and hear? The true meaning of Scripture. And why is he allowing that? Because his disciples, when they came up against not understanding what the heck Jesus was talking about, asked a question. How many times have you sat in church and listened to me or someone else or read a Bible study or some Scripture with me or someone else, and you've been like, I have no idea what this is saying. I have no idea what this is talking about. Have you ever felt that way? I feel that way on a weekly basis. Did his disciples say, yeah, we know what he's talking about, sure. No, they went to Jesus and like, we don't know what the heck you're talking about, man. Dirt, what? Jesus' disciples made a really awesome move here. They asked for understanding. They asked for more information. When you come up against a question in Scripture or about faith or Jesus, I implore you to ask a question. Me, God in prayer, a friend, don't be afraid to say, I don't know. The disciples weren't, and Jesus blessed them. He blessed them by telling them, look, this is why they don't understand. This is why I speak in parables. But then he also blessed them by telling them the answer to their real question. What in the heck are you talking about when you're talking about dirt and soil? Here's the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seed. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those of us who hears God's message about the kingdom of God but don't understand. And if you've ever not understood Scripture, this can represent you. Or if you only understand some or whatever. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom of God but don't understand it. And so the enemy, the devil, Satan, will come along because the seed is just sitting there and has nowhere to go. And he will snatch up that seed and remove it from their hearts. Now, the seed in the rocky soil. The seed in the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. Oh, amen, that was so true. I get that. We should love others. I do want to be set free from sin and death. I totally agree with that. They immediately receive God's message with joy. But because it's rocky soil, they don't have deep roots in Jesus. They don't have deep roots in his love. They don't have deep roots in understanding what is really being said. And so they fall away as soon as they have any problems or because they're persecuted or made fun of for believing God's word. Yeah, something can grow in this, but it doesn't last. Now, the seed that fell among the thorns, and I didn't want to do straight up thorns because I knew Kevin would get upset and his parents would have a talk with me. So we just did this pokey stuff, hamster shavings, not really. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, 
and so no fruit is produced. Something very big and strong and healthy can grow here, but it's not going to produce fruit. And we're supposed to produce fruit, are we not? Now, the last seed that fell in the good soil represents those who hear the word and understand it. Maybe not initially, but eventually. They hear the word, they understand it, and because of this, they produce a harvest 30, 60, and 100 times as much as planted. So because we've spent the last eight weeks in the Vineyard Initiative and because your imaginations are primed, you know that the seed in this story is God's word, which can be delivered by hearing a testimony, hearing a story about God, listening to a sermon, or reading the Bible. God plants seeds of good news in us when we hear about him, when we read about him, and it's not planted only in our minds, because there's a lot of people out there that have a lot of scripture understanding in their minds, but it's not in their heart. God's looking for our heart, and he's looking to plant truth and love in our heart, not just our heads. So, here's the question for today, and we're very close to being done. The question I want you to think about and ponder as we wrap up, which of these four soils represents your heart to God? Is it, is it, is it this one? Is it this one? Is it this one? Or is it this one? Which of these four soils represent not just your overall heart to God, but maybe which of these soils represents a particular aspect or attribute of God or one of his commandments? Because some of us read the Bible and you're like, yes, 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 no. You guys, that doesn't, that's not okay. You can't just say no to one part of scripture because then why can't you just say no to all of it? So think about that as we talk about what these things mean. So, soil number one, the footpath. This can be representative of me or you or us or people. If we believe that God is not real, like I don't believe in God. I'm only at church for the free pancakes. If we believe that God is not real, if we believe that the Bible or parts of the Bible are not true, if we believe I can do anything I want whenever I want because I can and I'm awesome and there's no God to hold me accountable, well, then God's love and or his truth, the Bible says, can't really get into our hearts. So if you've got some issues like that that you just will not go to God with, talk to God with, ask God for help with, then part of your heart, if not all of it, has a wall around it. And God cannot plant deep inside of you love and truth, which you, whether you know it or not, are dying for. Soil number two is the rocky soil. If we believe that God is real, that the Bible is true, but we don't pursue God like a personal relationship, we don't obey God, then his love and his truth can't get down deep enough. And when hard times come, and you all know they do, you drift away, you stumble, you end up away from church or the Bible for a year, and just things get worse. And you know what I'm talking about, because you've been there, or you know someone that's been there, I have been there, but we can believe that God is real and we can believe that the Bible is true and yet not obey it and not really have a personal interest in who he is. And when tough times come and they do, we struggle and we suffer more than if not. So is that you in your relationship with God? Is that your heart towards him? Or is that your heart toward maybe a particular scripture? Soil number three, represented by the thorns that just poke and crowd out. Now, this could be representative of somebody if you believe God's true, you believe the Bible is true, you pursue and obey God, 
Those are all good things. But you worry about everything. And what does the Bible say about worry? Don't do it. You stress about everything. You justify behavior you know is wrong. You are super proud. I mean, I do that. You're totally selfish. I'm that way too sometimes. And because you have worry and stress and pride and selfishness, those things don't just exist for you, but they're more important to you. They're bigger than you, to you than God. Sometimes, don't your stresses and your worries seem bigger than God? When that happens, what we're saying is, God, I know you're awesome and you can conquer anything, but you totally can't conquer this. And that's like taking one scripture and saying, I'm not going to agree with that ever. We need to be all in with God. And the interesting thing about people like this and people with hearts like this, which I, in some areas, need to work on, I wrestle with this too. Something can grow from God and from his word and from his love, but it doesn't produce fruit. And we are supposed to produce fruit fruit. Last example of the soil is the good soil, the soil you just want to curl up in and sleep in. Awkward. You guys, this soil should be all of us, and it's okay if you're not this soil today, but before you leave here, you could be, but this is what we're striving for. The soil that says, God is real, and I need him. The Bible is true, and I will obey it even if it hurts me. And I will pursue God with all that I got. And he is more important to me than anything. And his promises are true. And I am sold out for Jesus. This is the heart God is looking for in you. And you don't have to have this heart. But if you want it, you do need to ask for it. Okay. That's mostly my message. I'm going to wrap up because it's Halloween. Let's look at what time we got. Yeah, we got time. I wrote my own parable for this morning, all right? So, show me my picture of Edward Cullen. All right, you guys know this guy, right? That's Edward Cullen. I know, I kind of vomited just now when I looked at it in my mouth. So there's Edward Cullen, right? What is Edward Cullen? Sparkly. Sparkly. He's a vampire, right? I remember when these movies and this series came out, first of all, vomit. This is like the worst book series I'd ever read. Brooke made me read to her while she was pregnant. No, it's not. It's horrible. And the movies were just ridiculous because what happens when vampires go out in the sunlight? They die. They explode. They don't sparkle. That is ridiculous. They don't go to high school. If you had eternal life, would you really choose to spend it in high school, you guys? He's sparkly and dumb. So that's like today's vampire. I have a kind of a, a spooky picture to show you, but it's, it's historical because it's old school. So here, that's the vampire I grew up on, right? This is Nosferatu. This is the vampire from like Italian cinema. This is the vampire from folklore. And I'll tell you, there's a couple things that are true in vampire folklore that Edward does not obey, right? And let's get rid of it because it's just freaking me out. But here's a couple things that are true if you're a vampire. You explode, and burn up and die in the sun, period. You are undead, so you have no soul. You cannot love. You are constantly wanting and never satisfied. You can't just live life and be fine. You're miserable. You're broken. You're, you're horrible. But there's a rule about vampires that says if you stab them in the heart with a piece of wood, they die, or they can't go near garlic, or if you throw holy water on, they burn. These are rules that you must abide by if any of you want to write a vampire book. Because if you don't abide by those rules, I'm not going to read your book. 
But there's a final rule about vampires that I want to really focus on for my little personal parable in honor of Halloween. Vampires cannot come into your home unless what? Unless they're invited. What? It's a pun? I don't even know what you're talking about. Hush, I didn't invite you to speak. Boom! You guys, vampires cannot come into your house unless they're invited. And you don't want to invite a vampire in your house because they're death and they want to kill you and they want to suck life out of you. Vampires, old school vampires, are based on the devil. They're here to steal and kill and rob and destroy. But God is no vampire. God also wants to come into your house, wants to come into your heart, but he's only bringing good stuff with him. He's bringing life. He's bringing love. He's bringing healing. He's bringing restoration. He's bringing your identity and your purpose. He's coming to encourage you and lift you up and let you know you don't have to be ashamed of anything, that you can be forgiven for whatever. He wants to come in and bless you and love you like nobody's business. He wants to come into you today and do all that and more. But he, like our buddy the vampire, is waiting to be invited because God gave us free will. And he's not going to punch his way into your life. He's not going to bust down the doors of your heart. He wants you to invite him. And you guys, as your pastor, and just as somebody that loves Jesus and would no lie be dead today if I hadn't given my life to him, invite Jesus into your heart. Not a little bit, not mostly, but not all the way, but all the way. Invite Jesus into your heart. I'm going to invite the band to come up here, and we're going to respond to what we've heard today. As they make their way up here, I had another little metaphor that I thought of as I put this message together, but this comes to us from Psalm 51, 16 through 17. It says this, God, you do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering, or I would bring one. The sacrifice that God desires from you and me is a broken spirit. God, you will not reject a broken and repentant heart. As I considered that verse this week and wondered, God, why did you put that on my mind? Why did my imagination just conjure that up as I was thinking about my students? What does a broken heart look like? It's open. It's completely exposed. God wants you to open your heart so that he can come in. That's the only sacrifice he's looking for from any of you. Open your heart to the Lord. Invite all of him in. We're going to pray about a couple things that I want you guys to just use your imagination, use your heart, use the visual that we pulled up today. So let's bow our heads and let's respond. Thanks for listening to the Woods Edge Student Ministry Podcast. Please feel free to share copies of this podcast, but do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way. For more information, please visit woodsedge.org or find us on Facebook under Woods Edge Student.